Matt Schaff and Jared Smola of DraftSharks.com here to preview week four of fantasy football. The week four rankings are live on DraftSharks.com. The free agent finder is there to help you find any value that might be lingering on the waiver wire after this week's runs. I know I was in there making some changes right before we started this recording, trying to make sure I grab any upside guys that are still out there after the waivers run and guys that other people in my league have dropped, Jared. Have you had any good drops lately that you picked up like scooped after somebody else made a move no can't can't say i have unfortunately um but yeah the free agent finder i mean that thing saves me it, it must save me two or three hours per week just going through i think i have like 12 managed leagues this year which is about eight more than i'd like to have doing waivers on tuesday and wednesday nights it, it's huge as a time saver yeah, especially being able to toggle between teams um, across sites because i that's my biggest issue is I always like, which, which site am I going to forget about this week? So it's nice to have my one listing of teams to make sure that I remember. Let's open this preview, though, by talking about some quarterbacks that might show up on waiver wires soon or at least might have you looking to the waiver wire for a potential replacement right now because they've been a little shaky so far. First up is Daniel Jones, Jared, QB 22 in total fantasy points through three games. Wide swings, though. QB 29 versus the Cowboys in the opener. QB 1 against the Cardinals in week two. QB 31 against the 49ers last week. Mike White threw two passes in week three and outscored Daniel Jones. So, why should I still believe in Daniel Jones for week four and maybe beyond? Well, he's been very predictable, which we like, right? I mean, he struggled against two, what, top four defenses in the NFL and, and the Niners and Cowboys. And he has the big game uh, in a good matchup against Arizona. And this week on Monday night, he gets another good matchup. He gets, he's home for the Seahawks who are 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed quarterback so far. They're 28th in pass defense DVOA. Um, we'll see if Jones gets Saquon Barkley back. It'd be nice to get his left tackle, Andrew Thomas back. But um, even without those guys, I think he's going to finish closer to, you know, quarterback one than, uh, you know, the quarterback 29 and 30 or whatever it was in, in uh, weeks one and three. So I think, I think he's okay to use this week. I think, you know, longer term, you definitely want to pair someone with Jones. He's shown us even over the past few seasons, he is very volatile from week to week. And I do think he's matchup dependent. Yes. And not a whole lot of talent around him in that offense to, you know, help support him through tougher matchups. So yes, certainly not somebody you want to just trust every week, but he is inside our top 10 this week. Makes me uncomfortable to see it, but then I look around everybody else. I'm like, yeah, all right. It makes sense. Justin Fields has not been as productive in any week so far. He was QB 12 in week one against the Packers, but it's gone downhill since QB 20 against the Bucks in week two, QB 24 against the Chiefs last week and probably lucky to be that with 99 passing yards. What are we doing with Justin Fields? Yes, yeah, so there was some good news from last week, and that's that the Bears remembered that Justin Fields is, you know, one of the best rushing quarterbacks in the NFL fields. Last week had seven designed carries and 11 total carries. Those were both season highs for him. And even comparing them to last year, he averaged 5.9 designed carries per game last year, 10.7 total carries per game. So he was above those marks in week three, you know, versus what he did all last year. And remember, Fields was quarterback seven in fantasy points per game last year on 150 passing yards per game. Um, he's actually averaging 175 passing yards per game this season. So I don't have much confidence the passing production is going to get much better. But if he continues to get 11 carries per game, it's going to be you know tough for him to not at least score as a you know lower level quarterback one. The passing production should get worse versus what it's been so far this season because it hasn't been good for them to him for him to be throwing the ball more. He topped 200 yards passing each of the first two weeks because he wasn't running enough. The team's 
sucks so far. And when Justin Fields was helping us in fantasy last year, it was because he was running a lot. Every once in a while, he would throw a touchdown. But we need more rushing going forward. You absolutely need to have a second quarterback around. You can't just keep Justin Fields in your lineup every week and wait for it to get better. It would be nice to not start him this week. We did just see Denver give up a whole lot of yards and points to the Dolphins last week. So there's upside. I'm just not ready to believe in Fields and the Bears to leverage that. Certainly, he's right around the bottom of QB1 territory for us this week. But, you know, it's a matchup where he should be like fourth. Yeah, exactly. I'd rather use Fields in like DFS this week and not use him in season long. I mean, he he, he is ahead of guys like Russell Wilson and Brock Purdy in our uh, week four rankings. I wouldn't kill you for picking up those guys if they're available in your league and starting them over Fields this week. I think they're safer. But like you said, I mean, this is a matchup. If Fields gets that type of uh, rushing usage again this week, I do think he'll deliver against this Broncos defense. Joe Burrow has not delivered yet. He had the awful week one against the Browns we know about. Better in week two, but still just QB 21 and what was a really high scoring fantasy week. And then Monday night, if you look at it versus his first two weeks and, you know, versus the uncertainty that he was even going to play heading into the game, it seems like a positive, but it was just 259 yards passing, no touchdowns, one interception, 53.1% completions. I'm going to hold on to a nugget of positivity here though, because PFF passing grades for Joe Burrow have gone 30th among QBs in week one, 16th among week two quarterbacks, ninth in week three. So it seems like things are starting to get on track, even if they're still well below what we wanted with where we drafted Burrow. Yeah. And I even thought the second half of last week's game was better for him than the first half. And Burrow said after the game that he avoided any setback with that calf. He was a full participant in Wednesday's practice this week, which he Got in zero full practices last week. So it does seem like he's trending in the right direction. And now he gets this Titans matchup that we love. You know, Titans matchup that, you know, kind of you know, got Deshaun Watson back on track last week for at least one game. The Titans are 26th in pass defense DVOA. They're much, much tougher against the run. And they're 24th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterback. So I'm not, I'm not sure Burrow is um, ready for an eruption game yet. But like, you know, th- this is a matchup that, you know, will definitely boost his fantasy production this week. Right. If he is ready for anything close to that, this is the matchup to do it. So we had a question in Discord, Joe Burrow, Russell Wilson, or Jared Goff this week, which shows you how Joe Burrow's season's going so far. We have Joe Burrow a tenth of a point ahead of Russell Wilson with Goff, a fair amount behind those guys in our default rankings for the week. Is that how you'd play it? Yeah, I would go Burrow there. I think, I mean, I guess I can't say he's safer than the other two because the chance of re-injury, but like if he doesn't, re-injure that calf I do think he's a pretty safe bet for nice numbers just because of this matchup we've seen every team to face the Titans so far has gone super pass heavy the Bengals are a pass heavy offense anyways Um, so I just think you're going to get a ton of volume from Burrow this week I'd throw safety out the window if I'm trying to decide among those three guys because none of those three is safe you'd think that maybe Jared Goff wins on safety but He's been a very different fantasy producer home and away, and he's away against Green Bay. So I would go Joe Burrow for the upside in this matchup, and you know, fingers crossed that he's anything close to um, what we drafted. Your team intel page, of course, is your best place to see exactly who we would start in your specific lineup any week. It includes our baseline projection for that guy for the week. It also factors in projected upside for that player into that equation, and it lets you see consensus projections for the week 
for that player, you know, just in case you want to compare our opinion on him to the market for that player for the week. So team Intel page, that will give you the answer. If you get in our discord or tweet at one of us and say, Hey, who should I start between these two guys? We've already answered it on the website. So feel free to check your team Intel page for that answer. Jared, before we get away from the Bengals, T Higgins has been uh, maybe even worse than Joe Burrow so far. Wide receiver 114 in PPR in week one. Wide receiver four in week two. Wide receiver 83 in week three. Are you, what are you doing with T Higgins right now? Yeah, it's been a classic start to the season for T Higgins. I mean, if you owned him any point over basically his NFL career, you know, it's, it's a up and down. It's a roller coaster ride. I think that's just been exasperated by Joe Burrow's injury and the fact that he's been struggling and that's made Higgins floor even lower. I think he's a buy in redraft though, right now. Um, Cause I, I do think, you know, as Burrow puts this calf injury behind him, you know, fingers crossed for no more setbacks that, you know, just the passing game in general is going to get better. Higgins has been healthy so far. The usage is more than fine. He has a 23% target share. That's about where he he's he was last year, you know, as the, you know, 1B to Jamar Chase. Um, Higgins leads the Bengals in air yards. He has been getting more of those downfield looks than, than Jamar Chase has. It's just he has a 36% catch rate. Higgins does through three weeks. He was at 68 and 67% the previous two seasons. That that's, that's going to rebound. I think Higgins is going to be fine. It's going to be inconsistent, but he's going to, he's going to give you a, you know, a handful of more, uh, you know, wide receiver one level weeks. I think he's going to be inconsistent. Almost all wide receivers are inconsistent. His biggest problem has been Joe Burrow so far. And if we expect Joe Burrow to get better, and I think that we should. And like I said, the PFF passing grades say that he is already getting better Then T Higgins is definitely a buy. Not only does he lead the Bengals in air yards share, he's fourth among all wide receivers in that category behind only Mike Evans, Tyreek Hill, Devonte Adams, just ahead of AJ Brown. So the usage is fine if the quarterback gets better than T. Higgins is ready to help. Definitely not going to be as extreme in his variability as he has been through these first three weeks. Speaking of variability, Jared, we we saw the high end of the Dolphins offense last week, the high end of any offense. I don't think we can ever expect another game like that, but Raheem Mostert, Devon A-Chain, what do we do with these guys going forward? I want to start with Devon A-Chain because yeah. you know, obviously he's the one who went from doing nothing to doing everything last week. And to me, he's kind of similar this week to what Puka Nakua was in week two, especially if you paid a bunch to get A-Chain on waivers this week. I think you just go ahead and play him because we're all guessing at what his usage looks like going forward. You know, we have ways to try to make our best guesses, but it's ultimately a guess. Nobody went into last week saying, oh, he's going to get five more carries than Raheem Mostert today, and he's going to not stop running until he reaches the end zone. So I think if you paid a bunch for Devon A-Chain, you're probably starting him this week. If you already had A-Chain rostered going into that week, it's a little bit of a different decision. You can weigh him against who you have available. Yeah, I would find it tough to like, you know, go onto my fantasy team lineup page and not put Devon A-Chain and Raheem Moster in my starting lineup this week, right? Like, and this is even a case where it's it's tough to make the projections work here because, you know, we ha- we only have so many carries for the Dolphins to divvy up. And like you said, we don't know how they're going to be divvied. Someone like A-Chain, even if the usage isn't great, like his big playability that we thought he had and he showed last week in this scheme, I mean, it's, it's tough to want to start someone who, you know, might only get eight touches, but like, if you're going to start someone that gets eight t- touches, I want it to be Devon A-Chain at this point. And, uh, I guess, by the way, it's, it's A-Chan is how he wants it pronounced. 
That's what I, I, I just started. I was just starting to get, you know, get the pronunciation down. Now it's a chance. I guess we should start working on that. But um, yeah, if, if there's someone on low volume, you want to play, it's a big play guy in this offense. This will be a tough test for Miami and the running game in particular. The bills are sixth in uh, run defense DVOA. They're second in overall defensive DVOA. So, you know, tough test for this Dolphins offense, but I mean, I'm not betting against this offense in any matchup right now. Here's an, an interesting stat on that front too, from Rich Rebar via Josh Norris of underdog. The bills are eighth best in yards before contact per carry allowed. They are the league worst in yards after contact per carry allowed. So this backfield, which is built to maximize those yards after contact and, you know, ideally not get contacted, but that seems like the key with the bills is if they get to you in the backfield, you're pretty much done. If you get past that first wave, then there's lots of space that says the D line is good. The linebackers are, eh. I think that this specific Miami matchup is built to try to exploit that they've done a great job at creating that initial opening and obviously the speed of these running backs kicks in if you get that space. So for a chain, like if, if for me, if I'm making a decision in my lineup, if it's close, I would rather lose by trusting a chain and Mike McDaniel this yeah. week after what they did last week, than because I didn't believe in them, you know, like I said, with Puka in week two, just go ahead and say, I'm going to take a shot that last week was, you know, at least a sign of big things to come, obviously not going to be repeated Raheem Mostert. Like we can't project Raheem Mostert to be third among running backs this week without giving him unreasonable expectations for yards per carry or touchdowns. But looking at the rankings, Christian McCaffrey and Tony Pollard are honestly the only guys that I can actually call better starters than Raheem Mostert this week. I mean, if it's my lineup, there's nobody else where I'm like, yeah, that guy definitely belongs ahead of Raheem Mostert in my lineup. Yeah, Mostert's basically a must-start. I mean, he's been good through three weeks, and as much as we like Devon H. Chan, um, you know, he, he's he's not going to become the workhorse here. He's basically a must-start. A couple other notes I had here. I mean, first of all, this game has a 54-point over-under Bills-Dolphins, so that's tied with last week's Chargers-Vikings game as the highest we've seen all season, so you just want to lean towards guys in this game in general. And then for H. Chan, he got six carries plus targets inside the 10 yard line last week to Raheem Mostert's too. So I'm not saying like a Chan is the the guy at the goal line, but Miami's willing to use him there despite, you know, being 190 pounds or whatever he is. So, you know, that, that helps. He doesn't, he's not going to have to score from distance to, you know, find the end zone. He, he can get those, you know, goal line opportunities. Everybody's the guy in that Miami backfield to me is the takeaway. Don't, don't look at them as this guy's going to get goal line carries. This guy's going to get receiving. Um, they're all going to be used all over the field beyond this week. I certainly think that both Devon Achan and Raheem Mostert are sellable. I don't think that either one is somebody that you need to try to sell now because they're about to implode. So it really depends on what you have and what's available from our discord. There was one commish who reports that in his league, there is a trade that's been accepted of Devon Achan for Travis Kelsey. <laughs> that's, that's where it's at. I wouldn't expect that to work in most places, but that's possible. I mean, I'd put both those guys guys on the block this week and just see what kind of offers you get. Like, this is a case where I wouldn't go out and make an offer, right? Because I don't want to like set what I think the price is for either Moser or a HN, but put them on the block 
and see if you get a you know Travis Kelsey for Tra- for uh, Devon Achan offer. And uh, if you do, I'd get anything close to that, I, I would accept it. I wouldn't mind going and offering like Raheem Mostert for CeeDee Lamb or something if you want to try to set something like that. Um, but that I, I would aim high if you are setting it. One more was Devon Achan for Jacoby Myers. I think that's a bit more mm-hmm. of a question to answer. Which side of that are you taking? Assu- you know, assuming that you don't have more of a need at running yeah. back or wide receiver. Yeah, just straight up, I'd prefer HN. I just think he he's a he has a better chance to be a difference maker. And I, I like what we've, I mean, it's what we've seen from Myers has been awesome so far as far as the volume goes. I don't expect him to continue getting the type of volume he has so far, but I just think HN has the better chance to, you know, be like a, a league winner in fantasy. I think that's a fair deal on either side. If we do then assume that one team needs a running back, one team needs a wide receiver. I think that's a balanced deal. Uh, Jacoby Myers has started out like somebody who could finish top 20 at wide receiver. Of course, we don't know about the workload for HN. So I think either guy has a chance to help you more than we would have anticipated heading into the season and you know before we get away from Miami Jeff Wilson Jr. where he's out there on waiver wires he's going to contribute these guys are awesome he's also good Um, it's a great situation so go ahead and and stash Jeff Wilson Jr. where possible Jared it's week four and Zach Moss also looks like a must start so I don't know what what do we do with him this week, and I guess we should stop it there because week five might include Jonathan Taylor. You know, there was a report yesterday, though, that, you know, JT is still saying he doesn't want to play for the Colts. Um, so I, I, we'll see. So I would call, you know, Moss longer term a hold, like, because if JT doesn't come back, then, you know, Moss is going to be this, you know, weekly RB2, you know, fringy RB1 at the type of usage he's been getting continues. He, he leads the NFL in carries over the last two weeks. He's fifth among running backs in PPR points over that span. We did see, you know, Trey Sermon get a little work last week, which is probably good news for Moss, like, you know, longer term. You don't want him going all Kyron Williams and playing 100% of the snaps for the Colts. Um, good matchup this week against the Rams. The, the Colts are home. The Rams are 29th in football. Or, uh, I keep wanting to say football outsiders run defense, DVOA, I know. It's not a football outsiders anymore, but um, 29th and run defense DVOA. Yeah. Uh, for the Rams. We were talking before the show. I, I think we both agree that Anthony Richardson's return hurts Moss a little bit in terms of, I think mostly goal line carries, right? Like Richardson could steal theirs, whereas Minshew was not. So, you know, that, I think that could have Moss sitting, you know, a few spots lower in the rankings than he would be if it was Minshew under center, but you know, Moss is top 15 in our running back rankings. So, you know, in most cases he, he's going to be starting for you crazy jameer gibbs is up next and he faces a likely challenge from david montgomery again tonight against green bay expecting montgomery to come back from his injury despite tom pelicero's best efforts to confuse all of us and pelicero says that david montgomery is going to be the lead back which is how montgomery operated to open the season lead back of course means more carries for montgomery which we saw so far it should mean plenty of work for jameer gibbs but i mean it's a a wide variation versus the 17 carries that he got in the one full game without Montgomery. I mean, over the first seven quarters of the season before Montgomery got hurt, it was 37 carries for Montgomery to 11 for Jameer Gibbs. And the other thing with Gibbs, the the, um, usage in the passing game has been all over the place. Two targets in the opener, nine in week two, two targets in week three, the route rate did stay pretty high in week three, 50% route rate for Jameer Gibbs. So I, I don't think you're going to see many games the rest of the way where he only gets two targets. I, I don't think the reason I like both these guys tonight is the matchup against green Bay. They're 17th in run defense DVOA. They're 32nd in pass rate over expected against meaning opposing teams are going run heavy against green Bay. And I, you know, I don't think you, know, you, you need to push the lions too much to go run heavy, especially 
on the road here. So I think you're going to get also uh, Devondre Campbell out for the Packers, one of their starting linebackers. So I think you're going to get a run leaning game plan from Detroit tonight, which, you know, should mean plenty of volume for Montgomery. And I think even Gibbs could, you know, get eight to 10 carries in this game. Certainly is worth noting the Packers have faced the Bears, the Falcons, and then the Saints losing Derek Carr mid game so far. So we'll see where things settle, but I agree. It's a matchup that should favor using the running backs plenty and, you know, missing Devondre Campbell certainly does not hurt the outlook for Jameer Gibbs. Um, longer term, I, I would like to try to sell him if possible. I think it would have been easier if Montgomery were going to miss this game to sell Gibbs ahead of that. But, you know, otherwise, I, yeah. I just don't think that he has the ceiling that his draft position suggested. So I would like to try to get out before that is fully revealed as opposed to waiting for something big. I bet you could still sell him for a pretty nice price. There's bound to be an owner in your league that, you know, still thinks Gibbs can be an RB1. I don't know how many owners think Josh Jacobs is going to be an RB1 going forward. So he's an interesting guy to think about both from whether to start him this week, which he's high in our running back ranking. So you're probably starting him this week, depending on who else you have, but more interesting as a potential buy. So what is your outlook on Josh Jacobs, either short or long-term? Could you sell uh, Gibbs for Jacobs right now? You think, I think it might be possible. And I, I would, I would do that if I could, because the usage has been basically what we saw last year from Josh Jacobs when, you know, he was an elite fantasy back Jacobs right now among running backs. He's third in snap rate. He's 11th in carries. He's sixth in targets. He's fourth in total opportunity. couple problems. One, the Vegas O-line has been horrible. They are 31st in adjusted line yards right now. They were first in adjusted line yards last year, which always seemed fluky. That was one of the reasons I was kind of off Jacobs, uh, you know, during draft season was I just thought, you know, this, this Raiders O-line just on paper is not nearly as good as what it showed last year. Not that's probably not as bad as it's played so far. So I think, you know, that hopefully there'll be some improvement there and Jacobs too. I mean, he's 45th among 48 qualifiers and yards before contact per attempt, which is again, more of an O-line stat, but he's also just 39th among those 48 running backs and yards after contact per attempt. So he's not playing as well as he did last year either. I think the holdout has at least something to do with this too, right? Like he, he wasn't with the team at all this off season. So maybe he's still knocking off some rust. I can't imagine he's going to be this inefficient the rest of the season. The workload's going to be there. Like they're, they're not going to anyone else. So I, I do think Jacobs is a buy low right now. It's not likely to stay this bad at the same time. You have to wonder how much upside there really is in an offense. that doesn't look good behind an O-line that doesn't look good um, under a coach that I don't trust. So I do think that it's going to get better. I would be limited in my optimism for him. So just looking at some actual sample trades from our discord group, we've got one wondering whether they should send Kyron Williams away for Josh Jacobs for me. I say no on that one. It seems crazy if you just compare those guys heading into the season. Obviously, Kyron Williams was nothing to us a month ago, and Josh Jacobs was, um, you know, maybe he's not RB1 like last year, but he's an RB1. To me, though, you're trading what's working in that case for something that you hope will work. And, you know, we already had our reservations about Jacobs heading into the season. So I would rather just stick with what's working in Kyron Williams rather than, you know, chase something that I, that I'm not in love with the ceiling on. Yeah. I I think I'm with you there. I mean, the argument for Jacobs would be just that we've seen him be this workhorse back and he's more built for it. Whereas, you know, Kyron Williams didn't do it in college. He's, you know, sub 200 pounds. Like can, can he hold up with this type of worker? As long as Williams does hold up, under this type of workload, like he definitely cannot produce Jacobs. That's a case where I'd want Jacobs plus another piece. If I'm selling Kyron Williams. And if I can get that, 
I would do it because I don't think there's a you know a huge gap between Kyron Williams and Josh Jacobs. I would hope that there, for Jacobs' sake, I would hope that there doesn't end up being a huge gap between them. For what it's worth on Jacobs, though, we we also saw three other seasons where he played well enough that nobody wanted to draft him heading into his breakout <laughs> fourth season. Jerome Ford for Josh Jacobs. Which side are you doing? Jacobs. Ford's going to be fine. He's going to be a great pickup. I, you know, we already saw Kareem Hunt and even Pierre Strong get involved last week, so I, I just think Jacobs is going to beat Ford handily in, in volume. And I'll just, I'll, I'll go with that. That's one where if somebody offered it to me, I think I would go ahead and take Jacobs just, you know, betting on some rebound there. It's not one that I would think I would actively go offer because we don't really know about Jerome Ford yet. And I believe in the Browns being able to support that running back and scoring points better than I believe in the Raiders. So I'm curious to see what happens there. And then one more non PPR, Jared, would you give Isaiah Pacheco to get Josh Jacobs non PPR? Non PPR always breaks my brain. I feel like I can't comprehend it. Uh, I I would rather have Jacobs though than Pacheco. That one's tough, but I'm not a huge Pacheco believer. Obviously, it's Chiefs running back versus Jacobs, but I I would give Isaiah Pacheco and take a shot on Josh Jacobs. If I lose by betting on last year's number one overall fantasy back to at least help my team this year, then I guess I'll take that loss. Our weekly trade targets article posts every Wednesday afternoon. It's available now on draftsharks.com. We got weekly buy, sell, and hold recommendations. There's an extensive chart from our chartist in residence, Alex Korf. We check the values on basically every player comparing our rankings versus the market for that player. You can check that out now or anytime on draftsharks.com. And then, of course, go from there to the trade value charts to start building your deal. You get the trade navigator to find the best team to trade with in your league and measure that trade before you actually send it to know that it's benefiting your team. So check it all out, draftsharks.com. And Jared, I said it was the last one, but I've actually gotten one more in transitioning to the next player because someone in our DS Discord has the offer of getting Josh Jacobs, giving Puka Nakua. I would make that one, giving away Puka Nakua, assuming that I need the running back more than the wide receiver. But honestly, probably anyway, because a running back that hits is going to be worth more than a wide receiver that hits at the level that we expect Nakua the rest of the way. I'm with you there. Um, And that's assuming Cooper Cup returns, which I think will happen at some point. I don't know if you caught Sean McVay's comments. I think it was yesterday. Kind of seemed like iffy whether Cup would be back for for week five. But I mean, at some some point, you got to think Cup's going to be back. And then I think, you know, Nakua definitely becomes, you know, more of a wide receiver too. Um, So I, I would give that for Jacobs for sure. Yeah, it seemed like cautious optimism. Like that's the hope is that he's ready for week five where he doesn't want to commit to it, but they're still leaning that way. So does that mean we should sell Pukunakua hard right now before Cooper Cup does come back if we assume that it's going to be soon? I mean, just for some context, we got five catches for 72 yards from the rookie in week three, and it felt disappointing versus what he did the first two weeks. Yeah, exactly. And a 21% target share for Puka Nakua. So it's still a strong game if that's like his floor without Cooper Cup. It's tough to know what the market is out there for Puka Nakua. Like if you can get someone at the level of Josh Jacobs, I would sell Puka Nakua. Now, I also don't think he's going to become useless when Cooper Cup returns. Um, I do think Puka will be, you know, I'd say the clear number two still. I mean, Tutu Atwell's had a, had a good season, but I think Nakua will still be you know, pretty clearly ahead of Tutu Atwell when, when Cup returns. Um, so again, I still think Nakua could be, you know, a, a lower end wide receiver too. So I, I definitely wouldn't be giving him away for nothing. But again, if you can get someone who, you know, we view as a, you know, 
RB one, like Josh Jacobs is, I, I would, I would make a trade like that. The Rams have traditionally ranked among the league's most frequent three wide receiver set teams under Sean McVay. And that was with, you know, Robert Woods and Cooper cup healthy and Brandon cooks and Sammy Watkins. And, you know, not this group that they have this year. And they've been targeting those wide receivers ahead of Tyler Higby this year. So I would assume that they will, find plenty of ways to use all of these guys. I don't think Pukunakua or Tutu Atwell is going to disappear after this. We'll see. I, I am, I'm a little bit less certain that Nakua is going to stay clearly as the number two ahead of Tutu because he works in more similar ways to Cup than Tutu does. Uh, the Just the deep speed with Atwell, you know, it's a different element that he brings. But I, I don't know. We don't know about that until we see it. So I, I would say... I'm not selling hard on Puka. I'm not trying to get rid of him now before he, his value evaporates, but he's certainly sellable. Yeah, the Rams are, are also third in pass rate over expected so far, which I think makes sense when your only running back is Kyron Williams and he's, you know, sub 200 pounds. You're not going to, you know, skew run and you'll be giving him, you know, 16 to 20 carries per game. So uh, the, the pass heavy nature here of the Rams is going to help all these wide receivers. Herms took an in-depth look at Calvin Ridley and kind of the Jaguars offense in general for dynasty managers this week. So check that out on DraftSharks.com. But Jared, we're focused on week four and even beyond that in redraft. So we got to figure out now what to do with Calvin Ridley and maybe some others among the Jaguars. I think it's it's necessary to place Ridley in the right range usage-wise so far because there have been wide swings in his production. He looked excellent in week one and has looked the opposite in two weeks since. So he is 26th in target share so far. I was surprised. I saw that number today, and I was surprised that he was that low in that mm-hmm. category, but also eighth in air yards share. He's, of course, the league leader in drops, which I think everybody knows at this point. So He's basically being used like a mid-range wide receiver two so far. That's where he's at in expected PPR points, and he's scoring way below that yeah. level. What are you doing with Calvin Ridley You know, on all of that? Yeah, I think mid-range wide receiver two sounds right. Um, and th- there were a lot of good stats in Herm's article, but one that blew my mind, Calvin Ridley has caught five of 18 targets over the last 10 quarters. That is just insane for any wide receiver and a wide receiver of Ridley's talent playing with Trevor Lawrence, like five of 18 is insane. As, as you said, he has the league high four drops. I don't know what's going on. I mean, I feel like you can't blame this on rust because everything we heard all summer was he was looking awesome. Then he comes out in week one and looks awesome. And then and now, now he's struggling. So it's tough to blame it on rust. I don't, I don't know. I I'm just going to bet on, you know, whether you think Ridley is still the guy he was, you know, last time we saw him, you know, that that's a fair question, but I still think he's a good receiver playing with a good quarterback like i'm still gonna bet on that again at least at you know mid-range wide receiver two type of type of level going forward i've certainly never played professional football in case that's a revelation to anybody um, watching or listening but just the way sports work in general you know sometimes you have bad games or bad stretches and then a lot of times those bad games or bad stretches can get into your head and you know hurt your confidence going forward so it's, it has to be the kind of thing that he can work through, whether he will, 
we'll see, but it doesn't seem like an uncorrectable issue. So I'm, as long as Jacksonville keeps using him the same way, that tells us that they believe he's, you know, that good a player and that he'll come around and that just more experience and game experience specifically will iron out the issues and that he will produce. I, I think as long as you're treating him like wide receiver 16 ish, um, which is where we said he was in usage. That's going to be a fair level. He's going to let you down at times. He's going to deliver at times along the lines of T Higgins. Yeah, agreed there. And uh, Trevor Lawrence is fine, by the way. Um, he, the, the Jags have nine drops that leads the NFL. Lawrence is second in PFF passing grade through three weeks. So he's a guy, if you could, uh, if, you, if you have a need at quarterback and can buy low on Trevor Lawrence, I would take that opportunity because I'm still a big believer in him. Um, he needs Calvin Ridley to get going. He could use Zay Jones back from his knee injury, which doesn't look like that's going to happen this week. But eventually, um, I, I still think Lawrence, you know, it's going to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback and you know, could even be you know top seven or eight. I sure hope that he's fine because he's my quarterback in my FFPC main event league. Tank Dell to wrap up the wideout section. And I think Tank Dell is an interesting one for projections versus start decisions. Like when we're projecting these players, we have to determine what is a sensible expectation for that player for the week. When you're setting your lineup, you don't like you're not weighing Tank Dell versus everyone. You're weighing him versus two or three other players. So I think when you're deciding to put a guy in your lineup and he's low in wide receiver three territory, which I think is fair. But I wouldn't be shocked at all if he outperforms that. And so I think it's easier to take a shot on that upside when you are setting an individual lineup than it is for us when we're ranking him versus, you know, a hundred other wide receivers literally for the week. Yeah. And to me, Dell is low in wide receiver three territory only because I'm I'm scared of this matchup for Houston. Their backup left tackle, Josh Jones, is not expected to play this week either. So they're going to be down to their third string left tackle. They're starting right tackle. Titus Howard is on IR, you know, for this matchup against, you know, TJ Watt and, and, and the Steelers pass rush. Stroud has been awesome so far. He's been awesome under pressure, which he's been facing a lot of. Um, but I do have some just concerns about the Texans offense in general in this matchup. Dell is our top ranked Texans wide receiver, which I think he deserves to be at this point. He leads the team and target share over the last two weeks, he leads the team in air yard share. Um, Jacob Gibbs of CBS pointed out that Dell also leads Houston in first read target share, which that's become like the new hot fantasy stat lately, which it, it, it makes sense, right? If like first mm -hmm. reads, who is the offense designing plays for, you know, who, who are these uh, targets meant to go for if everything goes right in the play and tank Dell's leading Houston in those as well. So I, I think at this point, you know, he deserves to be the, the top fantasy wide receiver in that, in that Houston uh, wide receiver core. Agreed. And we watched him lead in targets his first two starts in the NFL. So um, got to just go with that. David Njoku is not somebody that we got to still go with because he hasn't delivered for us so far. Dead last among qualifiers in air yards share behind. And that's across positions behind Kadarius Tony, Gerald Everett, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Dalton Kincaid and Noah Gray to put some context on it. Jared, what are we doing with David Njoku this week? And then, I mean, longer term, is he droppable for some other guys? Yeah, I mean, you pinpointed the problem. And Joku has a 1.5 yard average depth of target this season. He was at 7.7 .7 last year, which is, you know, about average for a tight end. Um, so 1.5 is, is stupid. The Browns are using him stupidly. Elijah Moore is also being used a bunch near the line of scrimmage. And, you know, Moore is just seeing those short targets over 
David Njoku. So Njoku sitting on a 12% target share only, which is not a great mark for a tight end. He was at 20% last year. So to me, I would not want to start him this week in this matchup against Baltimore. That, that game just looks like it's going to be low scoring and pretty ugly from a fantasy perspective. Um, I would not drop Njoku, though, just because tight end is, is so shaky, and I still believe just in his talent. So I think if the usage improves for Njoku, you know, he's someone that can you know still be very useful for us in fantasy. Now, I can agree with not just a general drop for whomever, but what about dropping specifically for Hunter Henry if Henry's available? Um, yeah, I would do that. What about for Zach Ertz, the target monster and number three among all tight ends in air yard share? I would not do that. Ertz, Ertz came crashing back to earth last week and his route rate was down too, down in the 60s. I don't really know why. I don't know. I, I'd have to look into it more, but um, I, I'm out on Ertz still. You know, it wasn't hard to push me back out on Ertz. I'm, I'm out on Ertz. He's a, a very low ceiling player. So it's not somebody where you're missing out on something big if you don't take Zach Ertz, even though he had what, six catches in each of the first two games. And then finally, what about David Njoku versus Jake Ferguson from the Cowboys? Yeah, well, we'll talk about Ferguson next year. Um, I would still lean Njoku. But even like Ferguson and um, Henry, that's a case where I'd really want to roster both of those guys. You know, roster two tight ends. If you don't have one of those top four or five guys, I think it's worth rostering two tight ends, playing matchups, or ideally just one of them emerges as, you know, someone we can start every week. You know, Hunter Henry is close to that, I think. Um, but I, you know, again, I'd still like to just roster two of them. Yeah. So what is it with Jake Ferguson? Because he's somebody that gets brought up. He hasn't yeah. put up big numbers so far, but he gets brought up as somebody who's going to start delivering numbers. Um, what, what is it that makes him a going to deliver guy? Ferguson's tough. I, I'm glad we're talking about him here because I almost wrote him up in the um, usage takeaways article that I've been doing. I almost wrote him up this week. He didn't quite make my top 10, but Ferguson is sixth among all tight ends and targets. He's second in red zone targets, fifth in end zone targets. Despite running a pass route on just 56% of Cowboys pass plays. So to me, like something's got to give either the route rate's going to climb and then Ferguson, you know, has a chance to be a top 12 fantasy tight end. Or I just, I can't imagine the volume continuing when he's only running a route on burial over half of the team's pass plays. He has a Ferguson has a 27% target per route rate. That's fifth best among tight ends. So he's an excellent stash at this point while we, you know, kind of wait to see how this evolves from here. That whole offense seems like it's still evolving. We want to just believe that it's strong, but you know, there've been injuries here and there. There've been changes. Brandon cooks is new to the team. So I think everything's kind of falling into place. I agree that if he stays at that low of a route rate, it's tough to imagine the volume staying, but the volume has been good so far. And the position has been so bad that you just take somebody that's in a good situation and getting opportunities fifth and expected PPR points so far tied for second and expected touchdowns among tight ends, according to PFF. So Jake Ferguson, somebody worth using. I think if you really need to have one tight end, as opposed to keeping two, I'd be fine with dropping David Njoku for Jake Ferguson. Cause I think they're similar in what their, you know, ceiling and floor is the rest of the way. I think that's, that's probably a big takeaway at tight end is there are a few that are actually in for something huge. So I wouldn't not drop somebody like that for fear that you're going to miss out on something big. I don't think that David Njoku is going to turn into a league winner. So, you know, if he rebounds and you miss out on that, that's probably not terrible versus Hunter Henry, Jake Ferguson, or Luke Musgrave. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough to lose at tight end at this point. Like, you know, outside of Kelsey and Hawkinson, I mean, even, you know, Waller and Andrews have been underwhelming so far. So, I mean, pray, pray at tight end. That's, that's my best advice. You might have to pray for your streaming defense this week as well, Jared, because, I mean, 
it looks like it looks like it should be the Broncos against yep. the Bears this week and then the Jets next week if they completely renovate the defense versus what allowed the Dolphins 70 points last week. So if they fire everybody and sign a whole bunch of new players and coaches, then does that make Denver the streaming defense for both this week and next? Yeah, I mean, I'm just starting defense against the Bears at this point. And I, I, I'm putting my money where my mouth is here. I will be rolling out the Broncos defense in quite a few of my you know season-long teams this week. I, I picked them up, uh, I think, on both my main event teams. I'll be, I have uh, – Broncos defense. The defenses to face the Bears so far this season have finished fourth, second, and fifth on the week in fantasy points. So, I mean, Denver was pathetic last week, but it was half that. It was half just Miami's brilliance on offense. And then if Denver disappoints this week against the Bears, I probably would not use them next week against the Jets. Yeah, I can agree with that. I mean, the the Bears have faced Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Kansas City so far. So it's not like they've hit elite defenses and just can't do anything. They just can't do anything. So I, I agree. You go ahead and take a shot on Denver, assuming that you don't have, you know, a really strong defense that's also in a positive matchup like Philly against Washington. Um, but if you need an answer this week, take a shot on Denver, fingers crossed. And then if they work out, then they should be able to work out next week against Zach Wilson. You can check the week four rankings on DraftSharks.com just in case Denver is not available in your league and you need another one. We're going to keep updating that and all other positions for injuries and other news throughout the week, throughout the week or even just arguing about players, which is what we do behind the scenes until everything is set, you know, ahead of kickoff. We moved Zach Moss up the rankings just this morning um, for that, you know, no change to his situation, just more numbers. We look at more thought about who would start over whom in our own lineups. That's what moves guys in the rankings. If you make a strong enough argument against Jared, um, Jared, of course, also just posted his weekly matchups that matter article this morning. So check that out. For lots of info that can help you make your lineup decisions across formats this week. And if you haven't done so already, become a Draft Sharks insider so you can gain access to all of the tools and content available all the time to help you win your season. 